Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. Listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for 24, the TV show, as we are moving through season one, day one, swimmingly. We are up to episode nine, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. It was written by Virgil Williams, directed by Stephen Hopkins, first aired on January 22nd. 2002 it is still the longest day of jack's life right now his daughter is missing apparently doesn't care about his wife in this episode but uh we'll get to that very very shortly but uh, another solid episode and i'm gonna say this right now maybe the best acted episode we've had so far of this season this is a, a powerhouse for acting this is a really good episode for that um but as i said plenty to talk about my name is ben and I have killed two people since midnight. I haven't slept in over 24 hours, so maybe you should be a little more afraid of me than you are right now. And my name is Colin, coming to you live from Cable's Coffee Shop on Ventura, home of the $3.99 all-day breakfast. Mmm, that sounds appealing. I can't imagine a $3.99 breakfast is got a lot of nutrition to it <laughs> um i had a, a big plate of breakfast at that mickey's dining cart in minneapolis i think that was the day i met you for the first time and that was giant mm. and i swear i got like you know a heart attack and a bun everything it was it was just fat in a plate <laughs> but it was good because i the, was being emilio estevez and Anna schwarzenegger at the same time are they called the goldberg special probably except i don't end up uh, addicted to smack and uh, basically needing <laughs> going to rehab. Hello to Sean well, Weiss, goes, listening. There goes our interview with Sean Weiss. <laughs> I've interviewed Sean Weiss. What do I have to lose? Uh, I interviewed him like six years ago when he was sober. So uh, maybe I set him on the path of drugs. You, sorry, Sean. You got him hooked. <laughs> I did. I know. In all seriousness, sorry, Sean. You're a nice guy. I, I did enjoy our chat. Um, 24, uh, <laughs> season one, episode nine. Uh, I will say it straight away. This isn't going to continue the trend of being the best episode of the season that I've had for the last right. four weeks. But- <laughs> This isn't a bad episode. This is a solid episode. I just, as I said a second ago, I think the acting in this episode is second to none. Keeper Sutherland, holy crap. Uh, really, really good. Uh, Penny Johnson, Penny Johnson Gerald. Oh, what a woman. What um, a woman. I, I remember watching this live. I remember the tension in this. I remember Jack with the, our friend Lauren here, um, who's an esteemed actress who I know very well from another show. Um, so, yeah, a lot going on in this episode that I remember. And I think this is a, definitely an episode which is probably better when you watch it for the first time and you don't know what's happening. But there's still tension abound in this episode that is good. So I like this episode, Colin. You look like you don't. Uh, so... I mean, I remember this well. I remember Jack taking a hostage. I remember the sad end for Jamie. I did not remember this episode being so silly <laughs> in its uh, execution of these two massive plot lines. 
wow, there is going to be a lot of stuff to make fun of in this episode. <laughs> um, I'll agree. I mean, the acting is good, but partly good for what they have to work with. This is not going to, it's probably not going to be my bottom, but it's not going to be my top episode for sure. Wow. Gee, this might be our biggest differing episode because I in no way thought this was silly, but well, okay. I, I said to you just off air, I said that there's not much in the 24 book this week, the uh, official guide. Thanks to Tara Delulululo. I'll get your name right one time. Um, <laughs> but when you say that, when you say like, it's a bit silly, one thing that I actually, that drew me to what they say here, Joel Cernow, Joel Cernow, whatever his name is this week, um, basically that uh, they're going wrong. Actually, no, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. This isn't from this week's, from next week's one. This relates to what you were just saying. <laughs> well, basically, Kiva Sutherland in this book says that viewers are sometimes asked to suspend their belief for this show. <laughs> Um, so Kiefer Sutherland says from an actor's perspective there is a very odd kind of understanding that exists with the audience that we have the audience we've had from the beginning that we're going to require them to take a bit of a leap of faith not a bit of a leap actually quite a bit of a leap of faith with us and they have done that this is one of those circumstances where the show hit at the right time at the right place and the right audience where that audience would have taken the leap of faith 10 years ago or 10 years from now I don't know but at that specific moment they certainly were prepared to do that with us and we rely on that from them so there you go. Keeper Sutherland's basically saying half of this crap's not believable. Just fucking go with it. And if Keeper says that, I'm down. Because Keeper likes taquitos too. He does. And <laughs> he can't pronounce words. Uh, this week, Tony is called Tom um, just because <laughs> he cannot pronounce Tony this week. Lauren is going to be called Lisa. Uh, <laughs> and Andrew Geller will make his final awaited appearance. Um Okay, I'm so intrigued to see what you think is silly in this episode. Um, I will say that the opening mon- the opening monologue, though, he literally says, my daughter is missing. Again, he knows that Terry's missing at this point. I said last week that they yeah. changed this up. Poor Terry. He's moved on. But having said that, Terry moves on in this episode too, so maybe they're just oh, secretly going to <laughs> that, that is maybe one of the most uncomfortable scenes. I forget how uncomfortable that scene is. I... Uh... Yeah, I mean, it's especially uncomfortable because it's over so quickly. Uh, so you don't well, know whether it's more right? unc- <laughs> Well, is it more uncomfortable for Terry? Is it more uncomfortable for Kim? Is it more uncomfortable for Eli? It's like, I'm sorry, it's never happened to me before. I don't know what went wrong. Yeah, I'm, we'll probably talk about that scene a little bit too much in length soon. But anyway, so the beginning of this episode, of course, um, Terry and Kim have been saved. They need them alive. They get taken back to the compound. They're all upset. Palmer drama is happening by him getting rushed out to the motorcade. I do like one thing I'll say though, like Aaron, he's on form here. He's running around. Look, get the pop, get, get the, get the Senator to safety. He literally walks out of the elevator, looks up, looks down. Okay. It's clear. Um, this is a big facility. Like there could be 80. Sni- I want to see the, the alternate ending to this or the beginning of this episode where Palmer walks out and gets, you know, murdered. Like, oh, sorry. It wasn't cleared. Aaron's losing his job. Um, Jack gets taken into a, a room. He's questioned by the guy who he rang up on the phone before. Um, I do like Jack. Like, Kiva Sutherland, like, come on, right now. Say Kiva Sutherland's amazing in this episode, Colin. This is this is Kiva's shining. He he's had a few shining episodes already, but this episode, he's amazing. Yeah, I mean, his character makes no sense whatsoever. His character's actions make no sense. But, uh, I mean, his performance is spectacular, especially especially when uh, the, the, the scene with him holding the gun on the uh the waitress that we're gonna get later on like he does it a couple times but whenever he's interacting with his hostage just the way he turns it on and off he goes from super nice guy 
to complete maniac. And it's not only believable for the audience is believable. Even this character, uh, the waitress would just suddenly collapse after trusting him briefly. Well, even the believability here, you're saying like his actions and everything, you know, are, are a bit silly. Like I, I completely believe everything for him though in this opening scene, the desperation where he's kind of like, you know, um, yeah, if I if I wanted to, you know, shoot the president, why didn't uh, the senator, why didn't I use my own gun? Uh, and then basically the, this guy's like, oh yeah, well, you know, you tell me, we should have thought you were a threat. Tony Almeida called you in and you just, the look <laughs> on his face when he rolls his eyes like, oh, Tony hates me because I fucked his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since I told the whole office they're not allowed to call him Andrew Geller anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um and what what's what's the bit where like he was like basically is reacting he's like what like he doesn't believe something this guy says here. I can't remember what that bit is here, but just everything, the desperation here. And I, like, I know I'm jumping ahead, but we can probably just lump this whole sort of interrogation scene together mm. when he's basically like, can I talk to you off the record? He's like, no, you can talk to me on the record. <laughs> um, basically tells them truth about how his uh, wife and daughter have been kidnapped to which he openly admits that means he snuck in a weapon. Now, <laughs> 9-11 is going to come up. Here it is. Like, I'm sure that if, like, the Americans had captured Osama bin Laden and Osama bin Laden would be like, no, they kidnapped one of my seven wives and 38 children. That's why I flew the planes. And I'm sure, like, George Bush and Barack Obama, oh, fine, that's okay. <laughs> Needlessly kill 3,000 Americans because you wanted to protect your own. Okay, <laughs> like, does it work that way? Um, again, In my Jack's experience, desperate. it always has. It has. That's yeah. just Canada, though. All those times I've kidnapped Jamie and uh, the kids so you would yeah. do an episode with me. It's like, no, I can't record with you this weekend. Colin, I have Jamie and Casper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll do it. I'll just keep Casper. Give me back Jamie. Um <laughs> So, base, I'm just going to lump all the... Let, let's, let's lump all the Jack stuff together because this is where the fun Go happens. Go for it. So, um, Jack gets into a bit of a verbal argument with the guy who he tried to take the gun with. I like that guy. Sit down. Get your hands off me. <laughs> the thing I love about Jack in this episode, he goes from zero to like 500 in like that. Yeah. And this is... This episode is maybe the first real time we've seen Jack, the range of Jack. And that he's capable of going from, please help me, to get your hands off me, um, to, Jamie, please help me, to bring in the kid and kill the kid. Like, just, <laughs> this is why, I think this is why I love this episode so much. Because, like, Jack is just, this is Jack. This is the Jack Bauer power hour. The first time we've been able to utter those words. I don't know if you ever heard that sentence before. <laughs> but at, at its peak, when the fans were, like, you know, controlling this show, it was called It's Time for the Jack Bauer Power Hour. That's basically what people would sell it on. So um, Jack really gets going here. He gets taken away eventually. This uh, Whoever this guy is, he's like, no, you, even if I wanted to let you go, I can't. You need to go to district. You need to go to the FBI. Basically, let's list all the branches of government. You need to go to the president. You need to go to the secretary of state. You need to go to the... What was he in um, designated survivor? Secretary of housing or secretary of agriculture? <laughs> That's what Keeper was in that show. I think he was Secretary of Agriculture, wasn't he? Secretary of Linen. Linen. Fine linen. <laughs> Seriously, like the most mundane role in Designated Survivor. That's why he ended up being the president. Yeah. Um, good show, Designated Survivor. It, it was pretty mm. decent. Keeper Sutherland is my president. Hashtag Keeper's my president. <laughs> Even though he can never be the president because he was born in Canada. But hey, Barack Obama apparently wasn't born in America, was he? I don't know. I didn't follow that rumor. Um, so Jack gets taken from his room. 
And then it turns into the Jack Bauer live at Madison Square Garden concert because you've got the smoke machines coming up every five seconds. <laughs> Jack Bauer, he's like the lights go down and he's ready. This is, you know, Keith Southern's a singer. He's, he's practicing his concert. So he, basically his way of escaping is putting up smoke vats, basically, and like killing all these guards. Whether this is silly or not, it's kind of silly. But like... This is fucking Jack Bauer being Jack Bauer. How could you not love this? Like, he just looks at a steam vent, pulls up a thing, and these guys are like, ah! And then he does the coolest thing I think I've ever seen in this show so far, when he, like, does this gymnastics move of, like, putting his hands between his <laughs> legs and does, like, a barrel roll and one-armed, you know, forward somersault with Pike just to stand up. And then as these guards are on the ground going, He's like, he's even. <laughs> You're reenacting the, the closing scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark right now as these guards. <laughs> but, like, I love the overdramatic acting of this scene. Even Kiefer, the way he's like, he sees more steam vents rather than just like subtly pushing it up. He's got to do this over the top thing with his arms where he's like, Burr! like jazz hands. Jack Bauer, jazz hands. <laughs> this is why I'm saying it's like the Kiefer Sutherland live in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> And then you've got, like, you hear this voice in the background, Don't shoot! You'll blow them! <laughs> we'll be back! Back with the dogs! Um, <laughs> so basically the reason why they can't shoot him is because what is this place that Palmer had the breakfast at? Is this that place in Attack of the Clones where they built the droids? <laughs> yeah, like it's this weird factory. I, I thought they were at a hotel for the press conference. I have no idea, but... What, like, will... what what factories are there? What type of industrial factories are there that have a giant reception area? <laughs> <laughs> and then they well, one thing I will say, whatever this place is, I think it's a power plant because when they zoom out, the, I love this shot though. Like when he goes outside, they do this massive zoom out and you see the scope of how big this facility is. Like you see the turbines and everything. And then in the same shot, they zoom back in on Jack who is now on the ground running like, that is an epic shot. This is an epic location. And I said last episode, let's talk about Sean Callery's score, and I didn't even mm. mention it. Can we just talk about how amazing Sean Callery is and his score for this oh, yeah. show? Like, I, I bought the soundtracks of this show. I think they released them for, like, the first three or four seasons. Amazing. The, the 24th theme is so underrated as a television theme because everyone just thinks it's mm. the... Where it's actually the like it's a great it's got theme. A banjo theme suddenly. I know, but like I feel like a lot of what makes this show is the score. Like it's just it's an incredible. Like I don't know if you, did you ever buy the soundtracks or download the soundtracks from Sean Callery? Uh so they had season. Uh, they had two of them, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't remember if they did two. Or it was four. like season one and two together. I had the first one, mm. but no, I never had the uh, the the second one because I think they did it up to season four or something. Yeah, well, that's because I think a lot of the merchandise, like these official guides, kind of they stopped doing after I think like six, and a lot of them they kind of just gave up doing the merchandise after like the first four seasons, I believe. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I had at least two soundtracks. Maybe that maybe they just covered all four seasons. I don't know. I but- think that they might have done it where it was like season one and two combined, and then there was a separate one for three and four. Because I remember, I'm pretty sure the one I had had two seasons in it. Well, and the thing too, there was um. There was the remix that they did. Uh, I don't know if it was Sean Callery or they got like another, like a, a, an electro artist mm-hmm. or something. And it was just called The Longest Day. And it starts off with like, you know, deet, deet, like kind of like a beat to it. And then you hear Jack Bauer. I'm Jack Bauer. This is the longest day of my life. And it's like, doof, 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 doof. Like it was, it was on one of the CDs. Like it was really, really good. I used to listen to that all the fucking time. Like, I don't know if you, did you ever hear that song? 
no, it doesn't ring a bell, but uh, just looking it up, the first CD, that was all three of the first seasons. It was seasons one, two, and three. Right. And then they did one for seasons four and five, and then they did one for Redemption. Right, okay, there you go. Redemption, underrated. Um, Armin Van oh, Buren, yeah. I knew I knew there was like a, a famous DJ that kind of did that. Um, I have to send it to you. Like, it's it's actually really cool. Like, I and it's my type of music, it's my jam, but... Um, yeah, really, really works well. But anyway, the score here is fantastic. We'll talk about that constantly throughout 24. That, uh, you know, it's, it's like we talked a lot about that in Lost with Michael Jing. I can never say his last name. How do you say his last name? Jing, Jing Crew, Lost Guy. Which Lost Guy? The the, the, the score guy, the, the the musician. Oh, Michael Michael Giacchino. Thank you, Giacchino. Thank yeah. you. Um, that kind of makes so many. Did Sean Callery ever go on to do anything? I feel Sean Callery did designated Survivor, but... Um, I, I thought don't... I saw his name on something that I watched recently. Um, yeah. Let's see here. The, oh, yeah, the Marks, he's doing the new Liam Neeson movie. So he's... Oh. he's Finally breaking into movies. There you go. I think he's done other movies, though. I feel like I've watched movies with him that he's done, like you see his thing... Um, so the only other movies he scored is Blowback, a movie with Mario Van Peebles from 2000. And uh, Joel Cerno directed a movie called Small Time. That's Joel Cerno. Uh, Joel Cerno, <laughs> Jowl. Uh, th- this movie looks promising. It's uh, Small Time. It's got Christopher Maloney, uh, Dean Norris, oh. Xander Berkeley. Oh, I mean. <laughs> we should check this movie like out. Dean Add Norris it to a month. Xander Berkeley, of course. Um, we could do he, Sean Callery month. <laughs> Sean, uh, the other show I'm thinking of, uh, Homeland, is what Sean Callery did, which, of course, um, mm. Howard Gordon, who became becomes the showrunner of 24 at season five, went on to write Homeland. So um, <laughs> there's obviously a big 24 Homeland connection we'll get to when we get to season five. But um, anyway, uh, Sean Callery, great. Jack, also great. Escape from the facility. <laughs> rolls down a hill. Uh, <laughs> What is two weeks in a row? Somebody's got to go down a hill. This is the, the new drinking game of 24. When somebody goes down a hill, take a shot. <laughs> which, which can we just point out, though, that I think Kiva must have done his own stunts here, at least part of it. Because, like, if you look at that final bit when he's rolling down there, that's Kiva Sutherland. Like, he gets up and <laughs> runs to the car. Like, good on you. Kiva eats taquitos and does his own stunts. Good for you. <laughs> um, and then he rolls on the road. And who does he meet? Everyone's favorite waitress from the all-day $3 breakfast or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Kathleen Will Hoyt, I think, is the actress's name now. Um, Lauren is the character's name. But uh, I, I don't know how far into ER you remember um, oh, She was the sister, worst. You, Chloe yeah. Lewis, yes. <laughs> yeah. Who, of course, actually then technically appeared in Third Watch because the Third Watch ER crossover revolved around Susan and her sister and her sister losing her children in New York. So uh, Chloe did appear in an episode of Third Watch, as did Susan Lewis. So um, I, I like her as an actress. Though. She kind of, I mean, the two things I've seen, she's oh, basically playing the same character, right? <laughs> she's great at playing trailer park trash. Like, oh, like yeah. she owns it. And I'm yeah. not saying that in an insulting way. I mean, the fact that I, I said she's the worst on ER, her character is meant to be the worst on oh, ER. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and having said that, as has every actor and actress in Hollywood, she has appeared in Law and Order SVU. Uh, so I'm just <laughs> clarifying that out there. But Jack takes a hostage. I do. Probably my favorite bit of this is when they come back from the ad break and you've got like her in the car and then she decides to mace Jack. And I just love mm. Jack's reaction when he's just like, ah! keep driving, keep driving. <laughs> <laughs> It's just that funny reaction from Jack when he gets maced. Um, there's trivia for you. When we when we wrap this show up in about eight years, can we please like do like a 24 quiz? It's like, which uh, episode involved Keeper Sutherland getting maced? 
<laughs> Can we remember it? Um, Jack basically forces Lauren to go into a car park. They go into it's a construction site. They basically hang out for a for a while in this uh, the the foreman's office essentially. But I mean, again, this is where we get a lot of great stuff from Kiefer here. You know, he's like ringing up Tony. Um, you know, he's desperate and just the facial acting he's got, the desperation. And as you said, like, he's quick to go from like, I'm not going to shoot you, Lauren, to I've killed two people. I'm going to shoot you in the dick. Like, basically. <laughs> shoot her in the dick. Shoot her in the dick. Shoot her in the dick. <laughs> shoot you in the face. Look him in the face. <laughs> basically, like, just turns it on here. And this is what I was mentioning last week about how you kind of see the, the effects of this, like, yeah, he's got that great line where he's like, I haven't slept in 24 hours. I've killed two people. Maybe you should start believing me. But when he starts falling asleep and he kind of has that speech where he's like, I was in the military, you know, I did stuff for the CIA. I've seen some pretty horrible things, but I've never been this scared. Like, you just believe this desperation. And again, there might be silly stuff happening, but like, it's such a great acting performance that it's not hammy. It's not soap opera. It's not silly. Like, I can pick apart some of, you know, Sarah Clark and Carlos Bernard's acting because it's a little bit hammy. But, like, here, like, fuck, man, you could put this guy in Days of Our Lives and you believe that, like, <laughs> you, you know, his stepbrother killed his mother with a gun and came back to life after a brain transplant in Bermuda. Like, you'd believe it because Kiefer is so good. Um, but it's not just Kiefer in this sequence, though, as well. Uh, I mean, Kathleen is fantastic here as well. Just like, I've got problems too, man. Like... A DUI, which I'm guilty of. Um, like, I wonder if she did make it to court. Um, hopefully she did. <laughs> Don't want Kathleen to go to jail. Lauren to go to jail. Um, there's a lot going on here. I, I like it when he's on the phone to Tony and Nina and you, you cut to kind of Lauren and she's looking like, going, who is this guy? And he kind of sums it up like, you don't believe me, do you? Yeah, I wouldn't believe me either. Like, if I'm being kidnapped by a madman with a gun who's like, I'm a government agent and my wife and daughter are being kidnapped and they're trying to kill a presidential candidate, I'm like, cuckoo. Like... Did they yeah. take his identification at the, the press conference? Well, remember, cops don't believe identification. Him. So like, <laughs> wouldn't believe him. Um, yeah. One thing I'll say here, kind of intersecting with what's going on at CTU when he's calling Nina, um, and then he has the makeup with Tony. It's a nice little scene. Like, yeah. th- this is the formation of the bromance with Tony and Jack, right? Like, this little conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it, you know, and this, this is, I think, is this the first point where we're all like, ah, oh, Tony, what a guy, like, he's a nice what guy, a man. Like Tony. what a man, cubby, good old Andrew, gets, gets on the phone, Jack, I'm so sorry, man, I wouldn't even pull rank with you, um, <laughs> you can have the flavor saver, I'm going to pass it back to you, um, but also, like, the first bit here where you really get, like, Jack is capable of anything, so he finds out that Jamie's the mole, Great acting that Kiefer does here when he's just basically like, what? She knew everything. Put her on the phone. And then just the desperation is from Jack. Like, don't listen to Nina and Tony. I'll handle them. Like, you tell me. You know me. You know that I will break the rules and don't listen to protocol. Like, it's just mm. such a great little thing. And But he goes from, like, sympathetic, like, come on, please listen to me, to which Jamie's like, no, I want my counsel. And Jack's just like, put Nina back on the phone. It's like, she has a son. Kill the kid. She has a son, Kyle. <laughs> Bring him in. It's like, Jack, you can't do that. Yes, you can, because I'm Jack. <laughs> like, I got rank now. I, I got fucking rank. I've got my flavor saver back. <laughs> uh, but, like, it's just so, like, cold. And it's just like, holy fuck. Like, he's going to bring in a kid? What's he going to do to the kid? Like, mm. Jesus, Jack. Like, and we get a great... Shove mo- a towel down his throat. Yeah. Well, that's only in a couple episodes <laughs> away. I'm thinking of season two when he's, like, basically bringing in family members and you think he 
does something to them. So he's going to shoot him up with heroin. That's his plan. <laughs> exactly. He's going to put him on Air Force One. Um, Break his arm, shoot him up with heroin, <laughs> run him over with a car. Chop his head off. These are all things that Jack doesn't do. What are you talking about? Um, start a war with China. Uh, <laughs> have Russia after him. No, Jack doesn't have any of this happening in the future. Um, but seriously, like it's so, so good. Uh, just what Jack's doing. We get a couple of dammits. I counted two. So I think we're up to yeah, three dammits was... for the season for Jack now. So um, if you're playing at home with your drinking game, um, Jack forces Lauren to get those things over there that look like a hedge trimmer. You mean a bolt cutter? Yes, those. <laughs> um, so condescending. <laughs> that thing right there looks like a hedge trimmer. You mean the bolt cutter? Like, is that something that, that regular people aren't going to know? This is a secret government tool. How did you know what a bolt cutter was? I'm going to admit, look like hedge trimmers to me. I wouldn't know no bolt cutters. <laughs> So, well, clearly you never, you never cut somebody's bike lock. I never ride a bike. I don't know how to ride a bike. Why do I need to cut somebody's bike lock? So, uh, anyway, do you not um, know how to ride? Do you say you don't know how to ride a bike? Don't know how to ride a bike. Never learned. That's like the I never learned to read. (laughs) I haven't done that either. So, there's there's, uh, three trees in a lie. Can't read. Can't ski. Can't ride a bike. Yep. Are you sure you're an adult? Marcus, that's who I am. <laughs> Finally, uh, no, I'm not an adult. I'm. Uh, that's why I'm into. No, I'm not going to finish that sentence. Um. So, uh, <laughs> Lauren brings back bolt cutters. She doesn't bolt, but this is where I remember watching this for the first time because, like, this is a part now where Jack's basically gone. Okay, I need to get out of here. Hey, CTU, bring me a car with a kit and government plates. Park it on the corner of Yates and Mercer or whatever it is. So, okay, cool. So then the cops show up. Jack can't escape. Should have been fart-assing around and falling asleep. Jack, do your job. Should have been standing on the corner of Yates and Mercer. Come on. I will admit, that's a bit silly, actually, now that I think about it. Like, you could have been waiting on the street corner. Okay, police are kind of driving around, but, you know... You didn't or wait not long taking enough. a nap. What is it with the Bauer family napping in the middle of <laughs> the worst days of their life? Only one of them has a good-looking ass when they sleep, and it's not Kim. Um, <laughs> can we mention Jack's ass in those pants? Woof. Um, so it gets to a point now where Jack's like, I'm desperate. I've got to go. Hey, Lauren, go and get the car for me. Um, okay. Jack kind of escapes pretty easily. So Jack could have done this. Jack, oh, yeah. Lazy. Lazy, Jack. Like making other people do let your me, job. Let me just run this down. No, no. I need you to go get the car. Yes. Because there is nothing suspicious about a waitress coming out of an office at a construction site and grabbing a car and driving it back into the construction site. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jack goes out the back window where nobody is there and gets right in the car. <laughs> because that's what happened. Lauren finally decides to go and basically go, hey, no, like I'm being held hostage, which let's be honest, Lauren, you did the right thing. Um mm-hmm. So then Jack's like, damn it, we get another damn it. And so then, yeah, as you said, Jack breaks a window. We get <laughs> one guy going, Bella! No one <laughs> shoots him. You're not in a freaking blow-up facility anymore. You're in open terrain, California, to which he basically runs down. The thing that gets me is he runs down a driveway, which is like, I don't know, 500 metres long. The, where are the cops gone? They saw him jump out of a Did building. Did you hear them? <laughs> No, they didn't. Did you hear them? No. When when Jack exits the window, you hear one of the cops inside say, the room is clear. <laughs> they went in there. Nobody, there's nobody here. <laughs> they just leave. Like, that waitress was lying. 
she's getting arrested now. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, like, these are the worst Secret Service agents ever. <laughs> like, Palmer deserves to get shot based on these guys. Um, because Jack, like, casually strolls down this path, crosses the street with a gun behind his back, and gets in a car and drives off. <laughs> Don't the cops cordon this place off? Like, as soon as this waitress is like, no, no, he's with me. Like, I've watched enough cop shows to understand <laughs> cops. Surely they're going to be on the radio and be like, okay, cordon off the area. We've got construction site C73. He's in the building, right? We want cordon off street here, 773. <laughs> Next week, Jackie's going to call Nina and get her to help him with roadblocks. Where are the roadblocks now? Mm. No sense. Anyway. I can see what you're talking about, silly, but Jack owns it. <laughs> I'm not even done, but yeah, keep going. <laughs> um, I mean, that's kind of the Jack storyline. I mean, I don't know if I've jilled okay. over anything else here. Like Nina kind of talks to him a little bit about, you know, oh, how are Jack, uh, how are Jack and Terry, how are Terry and Kim? Um, I mean, again, I feel like I'm jelling over. Like to me, the star of this episode is Kiefer by far. This is the strongest yeah. stuff. Although having said that, I'm going to say the Palmer stuff is close second. Um, the, the just everything here that Kiefer Sutherland does, I'm I'm absolutely hooked on. Whether it's silly or whatever, um, I mean, if this is the episode that they gave to the Golden Globes to help him win a Golden Globe, I mean, I'm all down for it. He's so good in this episode as Kiefer Sutherland, and I'm sorry, Richard Berger, you're a nice guy, but you couldn't have pulled this off, mate. Um, you you were rightfully not cast as Jack Bauer. Kathleen Wilhout could have done it though. <laughs> True. Yes, she. I would have been down. She was for the third in line Jack Bauer. for Jack yeah. Bauer. Jacqueline Bauer. Jacqueline. Um, Kiefer's sister could have played it. So. All right. So I, I I agree. I actually really like when Jack just goes to the most extreme conclusion instead of actually trying. Because what was so funny about this is it, it almost sounded like these Secret Service agents were starting to believe him. They're like, okay, maybe there's something to your story. He's like, I know what I got to do. I got to burn their faces off and run because they were believing me, yep. <laughs> but it, that is Jack Bauer. So because we know where he's going to go, uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, what I'm not okay with is the steam pipe solution. <laughs> and it's not, it's not Jack using this. That's cool. You know, Let, let's fog machine everywhere, <laughs> steam burning somebody's face. That's cool. But it's the fact that this worker in the factory has to tell them to stop. They are all walking. These secret service guards are leading a whole barrage of people. And the guy has to stop them when they're chewing. Wait, wait. <laughs> like, were they intending to walk straight through this steam? This is hot. It's hot. Hold water. on. Hold on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's like when you go up to. No. Hot. Don't touch. Don't touch. <laughs> it's just so silly. Like, why is this guy having to stop them? No, hold on a second. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jack using it to escape is great. Just even better is the fact that Jack actually has to escape. Um, another thing that was really funny here, uh, <laughs> when Jack's trying to convince him, listen, I'm telling you the truth. Send a cruiser over my house. You'll see that nobody's there. Right, because no normal person wouldn't be home at nine o'clock in the morning. School, <laughs> weekday. Terry's at yeah, work. Tuesday. Come on. My wife and kid are not home. Where else would they be in the middle of the day on a Tuesday? Come on. <laughs> sort of like, Jack, we know you left your wife. We know your daughter's out with Rick and Dan because we know Dan's got a big dick. So even my daughter's Just out with Dan. Check the furniture store. Yeah. <laughs> She's bound to be there. <laughs> the furniture store? Jack's telling the truth. <laughs> Uh, just going um, uh, back for a second, though, maybe I missed it in past episodes. I'm pretty sure that Penny Johnson Gerald got a special guest star credit 
But mm. Carlos Bernard and her both get special guest star. Yeah, was he episodes. always special guest star? Like yeah, from I believe, episode one? I, believe, I think it was after episode two they did. Um, and then they weren't. Uh, I don't think Penny Johnson General ever is a major cast member. But uh, I think Carlos Bernard is from season two. So, yeah. No, but I mean, like, uh, as special guest star, because they have yeah, the no, guest star. They're, they're always listed as special guest star for oh, really? the entire season. Okay. It's the first time I caught my eye. Maybe it's just the first time I've forgiven Tony for being such a dick for most of the season. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you yeah, why. Uh, Penny Johnson Gerald is credited as a main cast member in season two. Really? She's only in it for like. I think she has, a, she has a smaller role in season two. She's only in it for like a quarter of the season from memory. She's in it for a lot longer than that. Anyway. Yeah. Um,. Yeah, the, the the kidnapping the waitress. I mean, this is what I remembered about this episode so well. Uh, but again, I didn't remember it being as silly as this. I, I love the way that Kiefer kind of goes from zero to 100. But you have to ask, this waitress is very ballsy in how she talks to Jack. It's like, you know what? I don't even know if I believe you. So when he's going to say, I'm not going to shoot you. And he's saying it so nicely. Yeah, I'm not going to shoot you. And then he's like, I got a gun to your head. Do what I say. <laughs> I would believe that this woman would be like, you're not going to shoot me. I'm walking out of here. Like, cause it, her motivations just seem to be all over the place in this episode. Uh, maybe she's not sober right now. Maybe that's the uh, explanation, but I like that they gave a character that like the audience, how can you argue with this? A poor waitress is kidnapped by Jack. Even when he gets in the car, he's got a gun to her. Says, Don't worry. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. Drive, drive. woman. <laughs> <laughs> he like has it right up to her temple. <laughs> it's just so absurd. But like, I can believe that she would be scared of him. You know? Yeah. Um, I also believe that she probably would have challenged him on the, you said you weren't going to shoot me. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Liar. like he, he is nuts in this episode. And then the fact that uh, when he starts to nod off, which again, is so funny that Jack, the only time nine seasons that he gets drowsy, it's only a third of the way through the season. And he's like, ah, oh. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's just nodding so off quickly too he's just like, oh. i mean that's jamie jamie can fall asleep like that i mean for me i'm gonna be up for two hours uh <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that's what i was lying in bed uh with sleeping pills or whatever but uh no Kiefer's out like that he's a very heavy sleeper uh yeah the, the phone call he has with tony is great and i did not remember that at all i actually thought uh based on my recollection that him and Tony had a lot of animosity throughout the entire season, but no, it's gone here. And it's actually, it's really cool to see because I think that that's the moment that I said I was waiting for where the audience can move on from Tony being a suspect. Cause I still believe um, when I watched this the first time around that Tony could still be a villain all the way to the end. And we're going to find out that there may potentially be other villains uh, no. in CTU still. Uh, they only ever do one, right? It's, the, yeah, it's only oh, ever one. Yep, only I mean, one yep. no but only always two there are master and apprentice <laughs> <laughs> which one was killed the master yeah the apprentice. but uh it, what, what they do so well is that they're giving the audience just that little nod of hey this guy you can trust him maybe not everybody else we, we know it's gonna be milo right uh, but, yeah. <laughs> uh everybody else not to be trusted <laughs> oh i can't wait to talk about milo in this episode oh, again i love milo more scene. and more yep yep but yeah, the, the Tony forgiveness thing is great. And yeah, it's just Jack going from zero to a hundred. Like I, I won't knock uh, Jack's character in this episode. I won't knock Kiefer's performance as absurd as it is that he's like, nobody's going to hurt you. We're going to protect you, Jamie. Kill the kid. <laughs> like, pass the phone. Around. And this is the moment where that woman should be like, I will do whatever you tell me to Jack. Yeah. Uh, you already mentioned, I'm glad that you actually caught on. It's like, Hey, he goes right out the back window. <laughs> 
and nobody sees him. Why is he so intent? He sends a waitress out in a waitress uniform on a construction site to pick up a car around a corner and bring it back while the whole place is swarming with cops, secret service, everything. That is the dumbest plan ever. I'm just going to, I'm going to blame it on Kiefer's drowsiness in this episode. <laughs> because that has to explain how dumb Jack Bauer is in this episode. Um, Words you it, won't say often that much moving forward. Otherwise he'll hunt you down and shoot you. Oh, I mean, he still might just for me saying that one time. So I didn't yep. say it. Noah put me up to it. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, it's, this is the one thing I'll say. This is so silly. Like everything that happens here is downright ridiculous, uh, but it's fun. And that's more than I could say from another episode earlier this season. The, uh, the, the lockdown, a CTU episode was just, you're scratching your head and there is no payoff for it. And it's not fun at all. Other things too that I think we need to uh, kind of just point out. All right, last week we got a little bit angry that remember there was a terrorist attack about uh, like yeah. nine <laughs> hours ago. No one cares about that. Fine, um, but let's just go over what Jack is wanted for right now. Okay, he broke a prisoner out that was um, wanted for killing a cop, only to basically get away with. It. Oh, that's fine, Jack's okay. Do that. Now he's accused of trying to assassinate a senator of the United States, which, I mean, I don't know my laws, but that's almost probably treason in a way because you're kind of going against your country. I don't know if that counts, but sure, let's play the card there. Now he's escaped and he's a fugitive from federal custody, but this is a guy who's still going to be just okay in a couple of hours and just walking around going, hi, I'm Jack Bauer and I'm okay. They're very forgiving, the US government in 2001. Nothing Mm -hmm. happened in 2001, did it? So why wouldn't they be forgiving? Yeah, just four months earlier than this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, just quickly, before we move on to the Palmer stuff, because I feel that's the other meaty stuff, but um, I love the trivia on this episode. So uh, it is established in this episode that Jack has been awake since at least 8 a.m. the previous day. Okay, cool. <laughs> By him saying I've been awake for more than 24 hours, we have to establish that he's been up. So it's like maybe he got up at 7.55. The alarm goes off. Beep, beep, beep. All right, 7.55. Oh, time to get up. Oh, remember that time? Not like I'm going to be up for another 24 <laughs> hours or anything like that. <laughs> Um, and it also says here, when filming the scenes at the power plant, Kiefer Sutherland bruised his forehead on a pipe. If you look closely, you can see at the beginning of this episode, despite the makeup. Aw, Kiefer had a bruise. Poor Kiefer. Mm. Um, also said here on January 20th, 2002, Kiefer Sutherland won a Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Television Drama. The series was also nominated but didn't win. I don't know why that's related to this episode. Are they saying this was the episode that they submitted for consideration, maybe? I don't know. I think that was the same year that Jennifer Garner won for actress for Alias. Yeah. Yeah. So two brand new shows, two brand new spy shows, uh, difficult to watch, difficult to get an audience to buy into and cleans up at the Golden Globes. Well, That's what I was saying last week about how that's kind of, I think, a part of what drew me into the show. Because I remember when they won and both shows hadn't aired in Australia yet. So I'm like, oh, what are those? Mm -hmm. What are those shows? I also love the spoiler trivia for this episode. Just before Lauren rats out Jack to Secret Service, she looks for assurance that Jack is telling the truth about Terry and Kim. When she does, she can be seen holding up a coffee mug that says, I love New York. The final season of 24 takes place in New York City. (laughs) Okay. I'm sure that when they wrote this episode, oh, fuck, well, season eight's going to be in New York, so let's put in an Easter egg for those uh, long-term was, fans. It was the other way around. They're like, you know what? We got to do one final season. How do we wrap this up? Remember the coffee mug, waitress? <laughs> season one, episode nine, all full circle. <laughs> they would have never, like, of all the cities, they've got a list here, okay? Uh, let's go to Anchorage. 
Honolulu, um, Aspen, Wyoming, Wyoming um, Winnipeg. Okay, other famous cities, <laughs> folks. Um, Sacramento. Hey, what about that mug from season? What, what city was that? Um, New York. I've not heard of it. Hmm. Let's go there. Sounds That's unusual. Glamorous. It does. Maybe they never sleep there. That would work well for twenty four <laughs> hours. Um, but is it cheaper to go to Old York? No, no, no. I think it's pretty much on level economically. Why don't we go to Allen York? Uh, well, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Um, that was a top top shelf joke, Ben. Write that down. Uh, <laughs> put that on your demo reel. Um, so, uh, Palmer drama. I'm on board the Palmer drama this episode because we get some good sherry this episode, and I'm always good for mm-hmm. some good sherry. Um, so in the car, uh, I do like kind of Sherry's like, oh, David, I wish you had just listened to the Secret Service. And what's he like? Oh, I'll remember that time in such and such when I nearly died. Lol. Uh, <laughs> and Sherry's like, oh, I just have a bad feeling about today. Ser- Sherry's C- C-3PO, essentially. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I-, I love it when they return back to the-, the headquarters. Now, the random character I want to point out this week is random aide to David Palmer, who just the blonde woman who just walks up. Oh no, Senator, are you okay? I was so worried. <laughs> She's the worst actress. Who fighters against a star destroyer? <laughs> Good, our first catch of the day. Uh, <laughs> She's so bad. Who is this woman? And like later on when she walks in the room and is basically like, Maureen Kingsley on the phone for you, Sherry. <laughs> I want to know who this woman is. She's so bad. Where's guest starring here? Is, it, is that Lauren? No, Lauren Proctor's the bird. Lauren Proctor's the waitress. Um, uncredited here. Um, Palmer's assistant. Summer Moore is the actress. I don't oh, want let's more get her on Summer. the show. If that's who she is, I don't want more of Summer. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's from Utah. Well, that explains it. Um, she's been in Leap of Faith. She was in the Downer Channel. Well, I can see why she was in the Downer Channel. Uh, appeared in such movies as Catch Me If You Can, Fight Club, and I still know what you did last summer, as well as Just Married. Is that, wait, is this Brittany Murphy? Uh, <laughs> rest in peace, Brittany Murphy. Sorry, too soon. Um, yeah, I don't know if you noticed her, but she's horrible. Um, no, not as much as you, but it sounds great. I'm going to go back just for that. I do love Palmer here when he's like, it's okay, everyone, I'm back and grumpy as ever. Back to work. <laughs> Again, this guy's just Big old life grumpy threat. bear. <laughs> I love how he said he's life-threatening. He's just like, lol, I just nearly <laughs> died. Back to work, kids. And then he's just like, girl, get me my schedule for the day. Um, so I know. didn't even get to eat breakfast. Yeah. Um, I also do love here that Keith kind of shows up and he's just like, dad, you okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Gonna go watch some tube. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Because what what does he say like about like is oh you got a good lawyer? Mm-hmm. I gotta say this is maybe like I think you've mentioned a little bit about this, but I think this is maybe the first episode where I'm kind of on board with Sherry and Keith and everyone here. Like, oh Palmer, yeah, Palmer here 100%. is like he's the one who's all like I, I get it, integrity. Like I'm gonna run. Like I get what they're trying to do here, but like he's kind of not thinking straight here when he's all like the truth is going to come out and we're going to talk about this and we're going to do that. Like. You talk about Jack being dumb in this episode. This is maybe the dumb David Palmer episode. Like, David, mate, yeah. like, you're running for president. Like, this is not smart. I'm sure even Barack Obama's, like, I'm sure her his kids killed people. So, like, even they kept that quiet. <laughs> I'm sure even the Obama kids killed somebody. <laughs> like, I mean, we know the Bush twins did. They were drunk. Um, <laughs> 
Don't get me started on the freaking Clinton, like Chelsea. <laughs> Who do you think you got? Chelsea Clinton? Like, she's a murderer. That's why. <laughs> um, Chelsea Clinton caused 9-11. <laughs> oh, Colin said it. <laughs> um, but... But this is kind of this whole situation comes down to Moron 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 Kingsley is about to to go on air, and Sherry's like going off at David, like basically like you know, don't be such a fool, like you know, David, listen to me, and like, and then Palmer's like, you should go back seven years and told me back then, and sorry Palmer, you're wrong. Sherry's right. Look (laughs) at Sherry, what a woman. Um, and again, Sherry's <laughs> evil, remember? Like, Sherry's doing everything right here. This is why Sherry's mm-hmm. amazing. She then calls up Maureen Kingsley and is basically like, hey, so, other news, Palmer just nearly got assassinated by a government agent. Shh, don't <laughs> tell anyone. Go to air, lol, bike. Um, which, again, Sherry's brilliant because, like, mm-hmm. I'm a journalist. I'm not Maureen Kingsley journalist. But if I'm, like, about to break a story, I know what it's like. I've had people call me up when I've fucking written the story and it's going to print like an hour before deadline and they've gone, don't run the story. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Like, no, we can't run the story because you you can't do this. And I've literally gone, uh, it's kind of out of my hands now. Don't run the story, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and you're getting yelled at and all this kind of stuff. Sometimes you just run the story because honestly, not, not my choice, mate. Like Maureen Kingsley literally <laughs> had the right to be like, sorry, no, I'm on air in five minutes. We can't pull the script. Beep, beep, like done. So, but this extra little nugget basically that Maureen Kingsley's got and then later on, they're like leaving the office. And I, I just, one thing I love about Penny Johnson, Gerald, she plays liar so good. Like mm-hmm. particularly like when you don't know she's lying, you believe her. When you know yeah. she's lying, you believe her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it when Palmer's just kind of like finds out that Marine Kings is not going to go to air. And props to Dennis Haysbert. Great acting by him as well. He's really good in this episode. Um but, like, does the way he kind of goes to Sherry and is just like, oh, Marine Kingsley's not going to go to air with this allegation. Do you know it? And the way per- uh, Sherry's like, that's fantastic, David. <laughs> See, you knew it was going to work out. And it's like, hmm, I wonder if anyone had anything to do with that. What are you talking about, David? Like, I'm not doing that justice. Maybe her sources weren't that credible. <laughs> yeah, like, he, she's just so good at playing liar, even when you know she's... And that's what makes it better, right? Like, you know she's yeah. lying. So it makes it a hundred times better. Um, just, I, I'm, I'm weirdly on board with the Palmer drama this episode. Like I'm loving yeah. it. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I don't know if it's just cause we're getting some great Sherry here and just give me more Sherry, Penny Johnson, Gerald, be my wife. I'm divorcing Mallory. I'm marrying, <laughs> I'm marrying Penny Johnson. I love this woman. She's so good. I'll divorce Jamie first. Uh, I'll beat you to her. <laughs> we can become Mormon and basically yeah. marry multiple people. Can we can we get Penny Johnson Gerald on the show to ask her, would you marry two men at the same time, <laughs> both Canadian? <laughs> you know what? She would say yes, and we would believe her, but she would be lying. <laughs> and if she says no, we move right on to, what's her name, Rachel Sutherland? Yeah, I was going to say Kiefer Sutherland, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can have Rachel, I'll have Kiefer. <laughs> we could be brothers. <laughs> Yay, finally. It's like George's Jungle, brothers, brothers. <laughs> uh, I'll agree. This is the best. Like like I said last week, I actually preferred the Nina and Tony stuff over the Jack stuff. Uh, this week, I'm going to say I prefer the Palmer drama over Jack stuff again. Um, but it still is not without its silliness. Now, a couple of things. One, I'm just going to note as... They rearrange the scenes. It's like the one where uh, David went in and talked to Keith and his alarm clock was uh, about 25 minutes too fast. Uh, This one, I'm going to say it's the opposite. David says, Maureen Kingsley's going on the air at nine o'clock. That's 40 minutes from now. 
we are past the halfway point of the episode. That is less than 30 minutes from now. So he's got a uh, really watch. inaccurate, yeah, very slow watch. Uh, but that's not the silly thing. Here's the silly thing. So Sherry propositions Maureen, which is a great plan. I love her godfather moves. I mean, let, let's just, if there's one character you're equated to, she's the godfather of 24. Oh, yeah. uh, she's a puppet master. But her. Right to survive would Sherry be. How great. Oh, brilliant. We should do 24 Survivor. Yeah. <laughs> we know Edgar's first out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Janet wins. Yeah. Janet e- Eli, getting beaten. Yeah, Eli's a top four right there. Yeah, but he's, he's, Eli's he's a goat. goat. Take him to yeah. the end. <laughs> you raped um, people. You pretended to. You waited to rape people. You manipulated people. But I was just doing it for the game. <laughs> you just a nice got one of I'm a neat lady. <laughs> You know, one of those faces you just want to hit. Um, (laughs) But uh, no, here's the silliness. Her proposition is there was an attempted assassination attempt on my husband. It's being covered up. Nobody knows about it. Don't go ahead with your story and we'll give you the exclusive on this. Five minutes later, in the background of Palmer's own hotel room, we see news coverage of the press conference that there was an assassination attempt at. Did all the cameras just stop rolling? Well, well, I, <laughs> Did I, nobody I, report on this? I would assume that like the, the secret is the government conspiracy is the part that they don't know about. That would be my guess. But I see what you're saying. Like, but this she is a says live there press was a, conference. No, she, no one's going to avoid that he was nearly assassinated. But nobody is saying anything about it because the top story would be, you know what? We have the attempted assassination of uh, President Palmer. Maureen Kingsley's not going on the air. It's being preempted for breaking news. Attempted assassination attempt on Senator. We are living in a world where where a 747 was blown up nine hours ago, and that's like now after the weather. (laughs) (laughs) And first, first, your lotto number. (laughs) And before we go tonight, just leaving you with a story, a 747 was blown up over the Mojave Desert just after midnight tonight. 400 people were killed, and it is unknown the cause of it. We'll see you tomorrow night here on CBS. <laughs> Good night. I'm Maureen Kingsley. Good night. <laughs> 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 it's a Star Wars thing. Now for your prime ticket movie. <laughs> Kiefer likes taquitos too. Starring Donald Sutherland. <laughs> <laughs> just please tell me you you admitted the silliness of Jack goes out the back window. Tell me this isn't ridiculous that nobody's reported. And even if nobody's reported, let's just say they silenced all the reporters there. You can't talk about this. She's going to another reporter saying, we'll give you the exclusive. As soon as that breaks, you're going to have all the other ones saying, forget that. We got footage of it right here. This I is mean, no longer a secret. Okay. This is where I think that quote I read from Kiefer before the suspension of disbelief has to cut. Like I, I'm with you. Like, believe me, I'm with you because again, I'm still <laughs> confused that in a world where a fucking 747 got blown up and no one's talking about it. If yeah. a presidential, like, okay, let's, let's put this in real world perspective. Let's go back to 2008 when Barack Obama was on the democratic ticket and it hadn't even been chosen yet as a candidate. Like he was still doing the primaries against Hillary. If somebody had tried to assassinate Barack Obama, it is going to be all over the news and people are automatically going to assume it's because of his race. And that's, I'm assuming assuming yeah. what would happen here because that's yeah. how the news would work. So, like, absolutely, this would be all over the... I mean, fuck, the, the, earlier this year, the Capitol got raided by a couple of rednecks and this was treated like the next 9-11. I can't imagine what it would be like if, like, somebody was nearly mm-hmm. killed. Like, absolutely, this would be all over the news. So, I mean, 
I also like to think it's a bit unbelievable that Palmer can just basically waltz back into his hotel room, lol, bit grumpy, give me the day's <laughs> schedule, and then go to leave five minutes later. I'm sorry, Palmer's on lockdown. Yeah. Secrets, back to what we were saying last week about Secret Service can pull rank. Secret Service right now are shoving him in like a basement, covering him yeah. in bulletproof vest, and are going, you aren't, because particularly, okay, I skipped over one scene, Mike goes to Palmer, and he's like, okay, so, hey, this guy called Jack Bow, which I'll go about in a second. But he just casually goes, oh, and by the way, David, he's kind of escaped again. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, are they going to let him out again? No. Like, not. Osama Bin Laden was missing for how many years? They fucking started a war with Afghanistan over that shit. <laughs> No, yeah. I was just going out, lol, just going down to Best Buy to get myself a new Walkman. <laughs> hey, you know what? It, you know what the real move is? Release the story to a rival network. Yeah. Which one are you going to tune into? Are you going to tune into attempted assassination attempt, attempted assassination attempt, uh, attempted assassination on first black presidential candidate over on Maureen Kingsley's show? Keith Palmer once shoved a guy out a window. I'm going to tune into the assassination attempt. I'm sorry. So yeah. you want to bury this story, release a better story to somebody else. But I mean, like this, this is the thing though. Um, but it, like, going back to your point, Maureen Kingsley is not going to air with that allegation at nine o'clock when the fucking guy's nearly been shot. All right. Yeah. Like nine 11 happened. Okay. No, no, bad example. Michael Jackson died, right? It's breaking news 12 years ago. A day before, <laughs> Farrah Fawcett died. People forget about that. And that was like, like mm-hmm. Farrah Fawcett, maybe not, not Michael Jackson level, clearly, but still big news. Like, you know, this beautiful Charlie's Angels favourite oh. actress of the 70s, dead. Within 24 hours, no one talked about it because Michael Jackson was dead, right? Forget that. Tanya Roberts died. Who? And, and oh, get right. this, the story was bumped because Tanya Roberts was still alive. So when Tanya <laughs> Roberts eventually died, nobody cared. It still happens. True, true story. True story. But like Maureen Kingsley, as like that story is getting cut. Like the key thing is literally like, well, because yeah. you're not you're not going to air an allegation against somebody whose life has just been put in danger. Like, exactly. That's not how it works. So Sherry, let's be honest, doesn't have any pulling power here. <laughs> like mm-hmm. she's ringing up Maureen Kingsley, and Maureen Kingsley is going to go. Oh, actually, we're bumping it. Why? Okay. I'm not trying to take away from Sherry being amazing here, but surely Sherry, when she lies, could have her excuse could have been like, well, yeah, of course she's bumped the story because you were just nearly killed, David. Like, <laughs> duh. Um, <laughs> so, but I just want to quickly point out, though, um, that scene when Mike says, like, oh, Jack Bauer. And then I, I feel like we gelled over the significance last week of Palmer and Jack sharing that, like, sort of look. Because mm-hmm. we talk about Jack and Tony having a bromance. Like, the Palmer-Jack bromance is fantastic. Like, the, their friendship and everything that these guys are going to go through. And this is all comes from this season. So the relationship between Jack and Palmer is amazing moving forward. But, like, I love this little moment when kind of Palmer's just like, Jack Bauer, Jack Bauer. And they're like, oh, yeah. it's like, I've heard the name. And, like, when you eventually find mm-hmm. out, like, how these guys know each other, it's fantastic. Yeah. Like, it's such a great plot the way they do this. And we're getting close, too. Yeah, so we're only a couple of episodes away. I think the Drazens are in the next two episodes. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're very close to kind of meeting the big, big bads of this season. But, um, yeah, I just I just like that little moment. That little moment there where you're like, Jack Bauer, I know the name. Hey, I know that guy. He's hot. I want him. Screw <laughs> Sherry. <sighs> uh, I don't know if you had anything else to add on the past stuff. Oh, uh, no, just exactly what I said last week. I'm still standing by it. I'm glad you're, you're agreeing now. Palmer's a terrible father. Uh, <laughs> like, this is going to ruin his son's life. Even if you're releasing this publicly, 
you want to go to the police privately and say, listen, can you do an investigation? Do whatever you can to keep this under wraps. But he says, I want to go public on the largest platform I can and tell everybody my daughter was raped. My son might have killed them, but I believe he didn't. Like, what an awful father. And you're a politician, mate. No one believes you in the first place. So, Yeah, like, exactly. Um, and like, again, let's clarify, like, we get what they're doing with Palmer, right? It's, he's the noble, like, the guy who's going to be good, the politician that's going to buck the trend and stand mm. on his value. And, like, again, we get what they're doing, but this is where the complexity of this really works, and this is maybe where the Palmer drama is actually starting to pay off because we can get frustrated at Palmer. It's, it's, again, I think I've said it before in the show. It's like the Survivor contestant is, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to play with integrity. I'm going to do that. And they get to the end, and then somebody's like, you lied, you did this, you did that. Oh, no, I didn't. I was playing with integrity. Like, yeah. it's, it's basically that person. And as I bang the table, I'm that angry. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've had enough of this. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, so that's kind of the two complex storylines of this uh, story. Let's get to the other ones. Uh, maybe I'll do the, the CTU stuff because I feel like the, the – the, or do we want to get the Terry and Kim stuff out of the way? I feel Let's like, get that uh, out of the way. We're not going to spend too long on it. Okay. I don't know how I'm going to talk about this. Um, Terry and Kim get taken back to the compound. Uh, they're upset. Eli, after being told that rape can wait <laughs> – rape can't wait anymore for, for Eli – um, can I just point out this scene is so much more difficult to watch when you're older and understand what is happening here, and also mm. it's a lot harder to talk about in today's climate than it was 20 years yeah. ago. Now, bear with me with this point because I might piss a few people off here. <laughs> well, you know, Eli really didn't do anything wrong if you think about it. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's not that. It's it's just we'll get to that. Eli comes in, he's got that look of rape on his face. I'm here to rape. Which is always on Eli's face. <laughs> he just, just walks in that room. You <laughs> rape someone, don't you? Holy crap, you've got the look of rape on your face. So he comes in and he's all like, you, get up, come with me. I'm going to rape you. <laughs> I'm sorry like to be like, say, but I don't know how this works. I feel like this isn't how rapists it's, generally do it. It's It's network television not being able to directly say what they're doing, which makes it more awkward. Which, which, I mean, this whole thing becomes awkward, right? So, like, Eli's basically like, hey, I'm going to have my way with Kim because Rick did. Whatever Rick does, Eli yeah. has to do better. Mm-hmm. So he's basically, like, going, get up, girl, grabs her. No, no, don't fight me. Fair enough. Like, fight back, Kim. Go, Kim. I love how she gets, like, shoved, bashes Eli, then picks up the smallest fucking plank of wood in the world. <laughs> girl, I'm Kim Bauer. It's just- Plankwood, it is legitimately a stick. <laughs> like that's all it is. Kim, keep that on you. You never know. A cougar might become next. Who knows? Um, <laughs> fucking hell, we've got to do that soon, don't we? Well, actually, we're still a season away. Um, again, Kim, still not completely terrible at this point. Just saying. Um, she's about to get raped. We, we're on side with Team Kim right now. But Terry, Terry basically stands up, does the motherly thing. She's the mother bear here. Like, no. Rape me instead. Um, but, 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 okay, this is where the line... Okay, let's just... Terry basically goes, no, I won't fight you. Boom, they go into the room. We hear a bed squeak. We hear a belt undo. We hear a very awkward <laughs> silence as Kim's got a stick. And, okay, in all fairness, as awkward and weird as this scene is, it is very effective. Like, it is kind of like you're very... You're, you, you are cringing. You are feeling yeah. dirty. So, like... Everything we're saying here, this scene is executed very well. I will say that. Like, this is a very good scene. 
but okay, how do I put this, Colin? Does Terry give consent here? She does. So, like, is it rape? <sighs> this is <sighs> what I'm trying to say. 2021, this is all the lines of, like, 2021. It's gross. It, but it's very yeah. gross. And I'm not trying to take a, like, okay. I don't want to take away from the nature of this scene because it is I, disgusting. Uh, Eli's a fucking prick. Fuck you, Eli. Uh, it, it is terrible. And Well, no, like, here, here's what I'll say this. Forget about this. It's not as clear cut as consent. Uh, in this case, she's still being forced into it. It is true. against her will. There is still a threat on them. So I would say yes. Um, but uh, it's, it's gross. It, it is gross. I mean, okay, like you're right. It's kind of, um, I mean, this is what we're seeing with the Me Too movement. It's like, you can't have this role unless you sleep with the producer. Okay, by, by, the, by the, the true definition of rape, it's not, but it's it's assault. sexual assault. Still. It's sexual assault. Okay, so I'll backtrack on my comment. I was uneducated. It was disgusting. I shouldn't have said that. But <laughs> he's cancelled. <laughs> cancelled. You know, whatever. But okay. But my point in asking that question was, is that you know she consents. So like, if Eli went to court, <laughs> well, hang on a minute. She said she wouldn't fight me. She agreed. Like, you know. But it is disgusting. It's just. It's just such an awkward scene, and but it's meant to be, yeah. and it's meant to make you feel gross but and all this kind of stuff. It really is. Like, I feel like this would be less awkward if this were on HBO. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, there's something worse about it that they're not saying exactly what's going on. Yeah. Um, and the intention of the scene, I think, is lost, too. I think this is the other problem. Now, the whole purpose of this is so that she can get the phone. But the real purpose of it is that Terry is sacrificing herself for her daughter, mm-hmm. uh, which is noble. Um, it's very noble. But... It, it just seems like of all ways that they wanted to write in there that they got the phone. Like I would have been okay with them not going this extreme and just having her flirt with Eli and slip the phone out of his pocket, you know? And I mean, that's, it's, it's still more plausible than half the stuff that happens in this episode. Well, cause then this is where like the awkwardness of it. It's like, like Eli's done in five seconds. He's a minute man. Um, yeah. <laughs> basically he comes out and then like the, the bit there with Kim, where Kim's like, uh, uh, mum, um, you gonna tell dad? How was he? <laughs> <laughs> I just love the awkwardness. Uh, you gonna tell dad, mum? <laughs> Our little secret, Kim. <laughs> like, yeah. He he has his fun. I got mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's just, but like again, you're right. Like she gets she gets the phone, and like, is this Terry's strongest move of her day? Yeah. I kind of think it is. Like it's. Oh, mm-hmm. actually, no. Next episode. Alan York, brick to the head or whatever. Next episode, she might do something worse than a brick to the head, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I, I will say, like, all jokes aside, it's not really joking, all awkwardness aside, whatever we're saying, back to the point about good acting in this episode, um, Leslie Hope and uh, yeah. Alicia Cuthbert are fantastic in this sequence. As is so Creepy is Eli. Eli. What's his name? Yeah, yeah he's great. face Eli guy. Um, and you know what? Like we're we were saying, Rick's kind of the hero, or Rick will will become a bit of a hero here. Yeah, this yeah. is all Rick's fault. Well, it is. Where was he? He's the guy before. Like, well, forget like, about where was he. Where did Eli get the idea to do this? Because well, Rick this is, faked doing it. But where did rape can wait come from? It's like when Eli's yeah. like, I'm gonna go in and have a pizza, and Rick's like, No, no, Gaines wants your assistance. Okay, rape can wait. Yeah. Like, can't wait anymore. So where were you, Rick? You're on a smoko break. Like, poor Terry. <laughs> you know. Sorry, Valerie yeah. wanted to open the fridge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did she ask permission from you first? What kind of marriage do you have? 
<laughs> it's a very strict marriage where one has to ask permission before they open the fridge. <laughs> I hate to be there when she asks if she can flush the toilet. Hey, that toilet hasn't been flushed in a while, Colin. There's a reason why I'm doing that. Um, so it's awkward. It's weird. She gets the phone. Yeah. She calls Nina, but then, and then basically hangs up on her. Hangs up on it. Yep. Um, oh, I want it stuck to Milo. Click. <laughs> Get to Milo. Don't come in at 5 a.m. to answer calls from Nina and Terry. Um, anything else to add on this very no, uncomfortable no, sequence? Please no. no okay. Please no. We know Colin likes to talk about sex, particularly when it's uh, not consented with. So anyway, <laughs> so we're at CTU. Nina and uh, Tony are interrogating Jamie. Five minutes prior, she's like, no, I will not uh, tell you anything to... Oh, by the way, his name's Gaines and they gave me $300,000. So clearly, you know, she can just leak information. Good on you, Jamie. Um... We find out that uh, she uh, only thought that they were going to put some surveillance in, basically, and that, you know, nothing, no one was going to get hurt. Typical mole talk. Um, and then I do like her little speech, though, where she's like, I do twice as much work for half the pay. Although I do also love Tony's reaction even better. Then quit. No one actually do the job. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. Well, you could say, then ask for a raise. Milo just did. Yes, just ask. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, Karina, I'm going to butcher her last name. Is it Arrow Yave here who plays Jamie? She's really good. And, like, the, my favorite oh, yeah. bit is when she, like, she finds out that Kyle is being brought in, to which she's like, you know, Kyle, like, I'll kill you if you hurt my son. And there's just that little moment when she starts crying and she's like, no, mm-hmm. no like, she's so, like, that her kick- breakdown is spectacular. Oh, kicked me in the guts. Like, I was like, holy yeah. fuck, like, this is great. Like, not great that she's in sadness, but like, great acting, basically, <laughs> what she's having here. And then she, I, I know I've skipped over a lot of stuff here, but basically, it all borders down to, as we've already gone over with Jack, that she's not going to talk. She wants immunity, written by Chappelle. Is that the first time we've heard Chappelle's name? I feel it might yeah, be. I think it is. Yeah, I, I yeah. noted that. Chappelle, big character to come. Um, and then essentially she's not going to talk, so they're going to bring in Kyle. She finds out that Kyle's coming in and she needs a moment to think about what she's going to do here. Um, meanwhile, in between all of this, uh, Nina gets dressed uh, and gets changed, gets naked in front of Tony. Gets Tony checks her out because uh, he's into bruises. I'm going to pull rank and put some more bruises on your body. Um, and the Milo stuff's pretty funny. Milo, like, what's going on? Why am I doing this? What's happening with Jamie? Why is the sun coming in? But my favourite part of Milo, <laughs> please tell me this is your favourite part too, where they're basically like, Milo, we need you to go sit down and work on the card and we need you to do this and we need you to do that. Well, I want a money. I, I want a raise. Well, you will get taken care of. Just do your job. Okay. He sits down and starts sit down. and he goes, Bam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was gonna be my opening line i was gonna go with bam but I, <laughs> I just love milo here sweet getting a raise bam <laughs> so funny i love milo didn't come in at 5 a.m to format files bam <laughs> um but of course the big cliffhanger tension bit which again i i remember watching for the first time and going holy crap like what is going to happen here kyle's essentially in uh, they go into the room. They leave. Like, in all fairness, Nina and Tony are dumb. Don't leave her alone for fucking 10 minutes. You don't fucking mm-hmm. bolt. Um, they walk into the room. Jamie slit her wrists. Um, and they actually see the blood pumping from like, that must have yeah, been a couple of things. Get gory. over the sensor board there. Yeah. Um, to which she's basically bleeding out on the floor. I love Nina on the phone. Yes, we're in room three. We need help. Hurry. It's not like she's slit her wrists. She's bleeding out. Can you help me before you send help? Like, okay, apply pressure. Uh, like, worst 911 operator ever. Like, stay on the line. <laughs> Hurry. 
They're not allowed, like 911 operators aren't even allowed to hang up on you until they know somebody's there to help. Yeah. Was, Nina doesn't care. But so they're, they're applying pressure loosely on that. And then the PDA ring. It's Gaines. What do we do? <gasps> Plot twist. 24. Coming soon next week. Um, I mean... I'm not trying to talk it down. It is kind of like, holy fuck. Again, I remember watching this for the first time. Holy fuck, what's going on? Um, And I think I remember being shocked that Jamie had killed herself. Uh, Well, was she? She might survive. Um, Was she alone in the room? I don't know, Colin. I think she was alone in the room. (laughs) Nothing would be different about that in later episodes. Um, Which, again, if you know that, got to say you watch things differently. But anyway, um, all the CTU stuff. Milo, bam. Yeah, uh, Milo's fantastic. Like, I, I don't know why this was such a forgotten character for me. Um, and, and I remembered he was there. Uh, funny if I remembered him over Jamie, which I'll talk about in a second. But <laughs> he's just so much fun. Um, and I, I'm, I'm that much more mad now that they brought him back in season six and didn't retain this character. Like, I want Mr. Selfish Slacker Milo, who's like, oh, five in the morning. I want double the pay for being here so early, you know? <laughs> uh, Mr. Night Owl Milo. Uh, it also shows, like, when Jamie's like, because where I didn't buy Jamie was she's like, I've got a kid, and whenever I needed the $300,000, That's get it? a night job, Jamie. <laughs> like, I don't feel bad for you. If you're, you're basically betraying your country for $300,000, is that what you need to support one child in Los Angeles? I don't think so. But, but one thing I'll say with that, though, is I do like that sequence, though, when Tony's like, how much are they paying you? One million? Two million? And she's like, $300,000. Yeah. And the look on Tony's faces is like, yeah. bitch, please. You became a traitor for 300 grand. I can fucking make 300 grand tomorrow if I have to. Jesus. <laughs> This flavor saver costs more than 300 grand. <laughs> I'm going to pull rank on you and say, that, God, that sucks. <laughs> Uh, but no, Jamie, this is her best episode. And, and as I was saying about characters I forgot about, uh, when we recorded our first episode, I, I remember messaging you the night before when I watched the episode. I'm like, there is one character on this that I completely forgot was a part of the show. And your immediate response was, was it Jamie? Uh, which is true. I completely forgot. Now, as soon as Jamie showed up, I'm like, wait a second. What do I remember her for? And this scene flashed into my mind, her death. Maybe I just subconsciously blocked it out because it might be the most, there are definitely sadder deaths on 24, you know, oh, yeah. uh, characters that had a bigger impact, um, you know, characters that have a more dramatic exit, but gruesome, like this is one of the most gruesome deaths I've ever seen on any TV show. Uh, and it, I just, as soon as I'm like, where do I know her from? Then I just pictured this moment. I've just been the waiting blood. for it ever since. The <laughs> blood. Yeah. I, I, oh, I recognize that blood. <laughs> uh, looks red and pumpy. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, there is going to be more to this later on. But again, great way. Just write a character out just when you think that they're going to become integral to the plot. Uh, because the other thing that uh, you didn't even mention was where she calls up Gaines Mm, mm -hmm. because they cut the cameras off. I got a plan for that. Just say, oh, you know what? They cut the cameras and I can't do anything about it. You're subconsciously telling the audience, Jamie's going to change roles. Jamie's going to be the one working against Gaines. The audience still doesn't know the 24 formula. They don't know that new villains are going to come in. You know, Uh, they don't know that Gaines isn't the, the the be all end all here. Uh, And now you suddenly think, oh, just like Tony's got a new lease on life. This is going to be Jamie's. And then you just cut her off, literally cut her off <laughs> from the audience. <laughs> it was probably the, the, the Nina shooting thing was definitely one of those, like what a cliffhanger, but it wasn't a moment so shocking where you're like, I never saw that coming. This was probably the first one of those for me where I'm like, I never saw it coming. And this is what 24 does so well for the most part. 
will remember this in the later seasons, but like they, they do it so to a point where like you literally go like, well, what's going on now? Like what, how are we going to mm-hmm. move forward with this? And like they, they somehow pull it off. And we're really at that point now of the season moving into next week and the week after where you're transitioning from this sort of Gaines is the evil guy. This is what's happening to more of the wider plot. And again, it's yeah. the three-part you know, season structure of 24 and we're past the third way. So we now are in the middle section of 24 of season one. So we're going to learn more and more about the bigger, you know, picture with what's happening with everything and kind of it's things like this moving forward. One thing to take note of, just a couple of bookmarking notes. Um, they, they, you mentioned just then that the cameras have been switched off. And I think they mentioned in this episode or Tony says that there are no cameras in that room that they are in. Just, just remember that for like episode <laughs> yeah. 23 um yeah. <laughs> just maybe remember that and one thing actually just it clicked in my head talking about jack using kyle as bait so using like somebody he's trying to interrogate kid against him this is actually a trope now that i think about it from jack because in at least the first three seasons jack uses a kid against somebody he's trying to get information from against them so mm-hmm. jack gets I know, off okay, on her I know season kids. three i, oh, I, season I, three, I, I can't it, place Season two, I can't you'll, play season you'll, two yeah. There's a terrorist and video link and yeah. Um, oh, season, okay, okay. Season three, when I when I made my twenty four top twenty moments of all time or whatever it was, and it was like up to season five. Uh, that sequence from season three, I think that was like number twenty. Um, just because I love everything Stephen Saunders. God, wait till we get to season three. He's my favorite villain in twenty four. I love me some Stephen Saunders. So anyway. Um, I don't have a whole lot more to add, I guess, on this episode. I can see here the power plant scenes were filmed at AES Redondo Beach. So there you go. If you want to do some tourism of LA and want to go out there, go to that part. Um, and it was in and the construction site in the streets were filmed in the vicinity of the 24 Soundstage, located at Irwin Street in Chatsworth, Los Angeles. So there you go. And apparently in the room where Jamie commits suicide, there is a poster that says, Trust No One. So clearly they were fans of the mm. X-Files. Uh, so that's going on there. Um, we uh, buy rental bin this episode. I, I don't think we have counts. God damn it, count three. There we go. Jack still hasn't killed someone in a while. Um, cool. Uh, buy it, rent it, or bin it, Colin. Uh, this is gonna be my second bin. No. But, uh, there's there's one or two really great moments in this episode. And then everything else is just almost laughable. Uh, it's, and for a Stephen Hopkins episode too, that's that's kind of unlike him. Uh, he's the guy who really built the tension on this show. And I, he does the best, like everybody, he does the best with the material, but the material is just not here this week. I'm going to buy it. I'm sorry. I enjoy this episode. <laughs> I like, I just see acting to me is so good. And I'm so like, and again, I'm taken back to when I watch this for the first time and just, the tension and just, oh, no, I, I like, I'm not going to put this at number one on my list, but like, I, I can't not buy this episode. It's, it's, we're in a really good string of episodes here, in my opinion. And yeah, no, I'm buying this episode. What's wrong with you? Um, having said that, I'm going to rank it at, let's rank it as the last place buy. Just make you happy then. Actually, no, bugger that. We're going to put it above the pilot. Um, we'll so put you got the six then? This is number six on my list. So, okay. yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, is this last on your list then? or No, I'm, I'm putting it at eighth uh, because I do think that um, the the 24 lockdown or the, the CTU lockdown episode, there just wasn't anything. This has at least the Jamie moment in there. You know, it, it has uh jack taking a hostage even if it doesn't work out uh it has something memorable about it so this will be my second 
to bottom episode. Second to bottom. That's Jamie's favorite position, I believe. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> wow, Ben. Um, next week <laughs> on 24, um, I believe it's all about Jack hiding under cars. Um, Terry gets a gun. It's the song Terry got a gun. Um, and another character I forgot is introduced in the next episode. Is it the next episode we get our first raisin? Is it? Well, that's not the one I forgot. Yeah, we do get that, but the uh, the, the temporary one of the many temporary 24. Oh, uh, what's a face? Come. Her. Yeah, I, again, completely forgot she exists. And I looked at the cast, I'm like, oh, yeah, what's her like, name? Another first. What's her name? Um, uh, it starts with an A, Alberta, uh, Alberta Green. Alberta, yes, yeah. and she, yeah. she's okay, she's an actress who is in shit tons of things. And every time I mm-hmm. see her, I'm like, hey, she's in 24. Um, yeah, so yes, no, Alberta Green, what a what a woman. Um, <laughs> she was in Law and Order SVU for 224. <laughs> of course she was. She liked it so much she didn't leave. Ah, Blue Bloods. That's where I'm thinking of recently what I've seen her in a lot of. Um, okay, cool. Uh, Alberta Green. Come come for the Jack, stay for the Alberta. Because um, that's the province that Trudeau forgets, right? Um, <laughs> that was the one he forgot. Was it Alberta that he forgot? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm like, who is this? Who's this? Wait a second. And, and the fun thing about that is it's another one of these, like you mentioned, the the, the villains. Mm. There's always like the three structure villain thing. Almost every season going forward, we'll have, oh, we got a new boss coming in from Division who's going to take over things temporarily. Yeah. And I think this is the first time they do that. And there's always a mole. Uh, there's always a new yeah. villain. <laughs> There's always something. There's always a kid. Yeah, there's, oh, God, Jack's going to take it hostage, probably. Cougars. Uh, people getting brought in at 5am to format files. Um, <laughs> next week, uh, in the meantime, listen to the ending and you'll like and follow and do all that shit. Uh, my name is Ben and I'm as grumpy as ever. And my name is Colin and bam. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. 
For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>